driving under the speed limit um, because it's so curvy here, but we are, we just drove over Truman Lake, which is super beautiful and massive. Me and my producer, Aaron, are on the road. We're making the two-hour journey from Kansas City to Warsaw, Missouri, in the heart of the Ozarks. Wow, oh my God. This is pretty spectacular. With its sparsely populated, rugged backcountry, you might hear Ozarks and think of the Netflix show about a guy who moves his family out to the lakes to launder money for a drug cartel. And it's not entirely untrue. Parts of Missouri do have a dark past. In the early 2000s, Greene County, just an hour and a half from here, was nicknamed the meth capital of America due to the amount of meth labs there. Caviar trafficking has landed in Missouri. That's the headline that grabs my attention. I'm a journalist, and back in 2015, I was working at Vice Media, where I was the founding editor-in-chief of Munchies, a website that covered all things weird and wonderful in food culture. I remember the day this story crossed my desk. It sounded completely bizarre. It went on. The self-proclaimed paddlefish capital of the world. By the way, that's my producer Aaron reading. Is now the unlikely epicenter of a black market caviar hub. I was living in New York at the time, running a website that on any given day involved working with well-known food writers, celebrities and notable chefs, and dining like there was no tomorrow at the hottest restaurant openings around the city. But I grew up in Texas. Apparently, this paddlefish capital of the world is only an hour away from where I attended summer camp as a kid. How had I never heard of this? And then I see the story crop up online several years later. I'm not sure if it's the algorithm following me or if the story is still alive. But I decide it's time to figure it out for myself. There are tons of vibrantly lush green trees beautiful shorelines, but it's the rocks themselves that look fake. They're almost like something you'd see in Game of Thrones. We're heading to a tiny town called Warsaw, with a population of a little over 2,000 people. It's a long way from its namesake in Poland. And a decade ago, this place was the site of a major poaching and smuggling operation. It reads like something out of a Cold War thriller the Russian mafia descends on a small American town to steal its most prized possession. And when fish guts start appearing on the roadside, police launch an undercover sting, Operation Roadhouse, to catch the criminals. Or maybe it's more like Parks and Recreation meets The Wire. Having spent the last six months trying to crack this case, I've come to realize that this is far from a simple crime story. I've learned a ton about this part of Missouri and the ancient monstrous fish who live here. But I've also uncovered a silent war between locals and the Eastern Europeans that have traveled here to fish. It means more to both sides 
than I could have imagined. The part I didn't expect? That I'd get wrapped up in the middle of the story myself. This journey takes me from fishing for huge paddlefish in the middle of the Ozarks. You've just got to be in the right place at the right time and come up on one, and it's addicting, just the, it's like a gamble, you know? To London and New York by way of Tsarist Russia. Catherine the Great served these hugely extravagant banquets where people commented on the amount of caviar and jewels that were laid all over the table. I meet undercover federal agents. Wildlife officers is one of the most dangerous jobs in the country, and, and there's good reasons for that. To pull off an investigation of this magnitude and this complexity over basically a three-year time span is a pretty remarkable accomplishment. International crime ring experts. Kevia uh, related criminal organizations can be violent. They want to protect the criminal activities that they run and also the criminal markets they benefit from. And Russian celebrity chefs. Caviar is kind of being with God. It's a taste of money. But first, I want to visit the scene of the crime for myself. According to Google Maps, we're six minutes from our destination. Though the local population could barely fill up a high school gym, the town of Warsaw is sprawling. The wide streets are lined with strip malls, mom-and-pop shops, and empty parking spots. It's nestled between two huge lakes on the Osage River. The Truman Reservoir, named after the only president to hail from Missouri, and the Lake of the Ozarks. In every other direction, farmland stretches forever. It's any town America. With all this water, it comes as no surprise that fishing is a huge part of the culture. It's the beginning of August. It's hot as Hades out here. It's about 90 degrees Fahrenheit, which if you're into fishing, you know that it's not a great time especially at 2 p.m. in the afternoon to go fishing because nothing's snapping. We're standing on Main Street. It's the middle of Monday afternoon. You'd think it'd be busy, but there's barely anyone around. Most of the coffee shops and restaurants are closed, except the Rusty Skillet, a bar and grill with a neon open sign in the window and wooden benches out front. A couple doors down, there's a cute little ice cream shop called Back in Time with large wooden doors and a chalkboard advertising ice-cold root beer. And a short walk down the block is the typical small-town main square. The Benton County Courthouse, a stark red brick building, faces the Veterans Memorial and one of the town's many churches. It feels like I'm a little bit in an Edward Hopper painting, getting a lot of looks from people, mostly because I think we look strange, but we also look like city slickers. The guy on his uh, lawnmower that drove into town and keeps staring at us because <laughs> me and my producer are walking around with a microphone and we stick out like sore thumbs in this place. To be honest, I'm having a really hard time picturing this place as the epicenter of an international conspiracy. It's hard to imagine, well, much of anything going on around here. 
I'm Helen Holliman. From Imperative Entertainment and Vespucci, this is the Paddlefish Caviar Heist. Episode 1, Fish Guts on the Roadside. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's clear we won't get anywhere by hanging around Main Street. I need to speak to someone who knows Warsaw. Someone who would have the inside track on the comings and goings. Luckily for me, Benton County has its very own museum dedicated to Warsaw's history and heritage. Marcia. It's great to meet you. And you are who? Helen. Helen. Yeah. Well, come on in. All right. Great. Awesome. Marcia Eaton is smartly dressed, warm and polite with glasses. She looks every bit the school teacher she used to be. She's now the curator of the Benton County Historical Society. Established in 1971, it operates out of an old converted office next door to an auto body shop. This was originally a medical building, and you will see the small exam rooms that you know we have opened up, and each year we have a special exhibit in this room, and this year is Christmas memories. We were met by a small crew of locals, including a journalist from the town newspaper, who seems a little confused by our presence. Starting in a room full of tired-looking taxidermied animals, we're led on a whistle-stop tour of Warsaw's past. This was Jerry Lumpy, and he was a local man who ended up playing baseball for the uh, New York Yankees and Detroit and Kansas City, and he was our hometown hero. Great guy. This is our Each room has the town's history proudly on display. Muscle shells from the Lake of the Ozarks, that have been transformed in the Victorian-era button factory. We hear how the town took a beating from both sides in the Civil War. And in a room with the slogan, Gunstock Capital of the World, we hear about Warsaw's once-booming manufacturing industry. In front of a rusty old fishing rod, Marcia invites the president of the museum to join us. Leroy, can you give any info on the spoon bill? I grab the moment to turn the conversation towards paddlefish. Yeah, Leroy's a big fisherman, a big hunter. Yesterday. By the way, locals call paddlefish the spoonbill. The spoonbill is a prehistoric animal. Been around for many, many years. At one time, it was very exclusive that they were in the Osage River arm of the Lake of the Ozarks. 
they had a natural spawning ground up the river because they had clean gravel beds and they could spawn and reproduce. Recreational fishing is big business in Warsaw. People come from all over the country because if you want to catch fish as big as these, you'd usually need to go to the ocean. To avoid overfishing, the number of paddlefish that can be caught is just two a day. And the short season when you can fish for them is also tightly controlled. So when the paddlefish start spawning, in the six weeks between March and April, this quiet town transforms into a bustling, boisterous place as fishermen and women pull up for snagging season. It's called snagging because of the way paddlefish are caught, dragging a heavy hook across the bottom of the lake, up and down, sometimes for hours, until you snag the fish and haul it to the surface. It's more intense than a tire-flipping session at CrossFit, but more on that gruesome process later. Leroy again. Truman Lake has an unbelievable amount of spoonbill as well as the Lake of the Ozarks here, right here locally. And they catch fish every year up close to 100 pounds and even over 100 pounds. I figure Leroy must know something about Eastern Europeans turning up to steal some fish eggs. So I try to steer the conversation in that direction by asking if he eats paddlefish. People do eat them. They have to trim a lot of the dark meat off of them to clean them up, but there's some waste to them, but they're still edible. We've also heard about eating the eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Ozark caviar, is that what they call it? The Ozark caviar. Okay, so it's got its own name around here. And then Leroy starts talking about Operation Roadhouse, although he doesn't refer to it by that name. There was a big bust on that about 10 or 12 years ago here. And we had some people that was catching these large females, taking the eggs out and shipping them to Russia and selling it as a caviar. One of our local conservation agents become very much involved with it, working with a sting operation. He was able to get our local prosecutor to work with him on this wildlife case, which is kind of unusual in itself. Being the prosecutor worked with him, she was able to stick the charges and get the federal help she needed. I want to know more, so I play dumb. Who was taking these eggs, or is it just people from all over the country, or...? They had ties all the way, I believe, up into Chicago, and from Chicago, shipping them to Russia is where a lot of it went. The egg sacs are huge when they harvest these fish in the spring of the year before they spawn out. Several pounds add up in a hurry, and they started selling this by the pound and making it a profitable situation, sending it back to Europe. Okay, now this I did not know about. Leroy is saying that the paddlefish row were being smuggled across state lines and shipped all the way back to Russia, where it was presumably repackaged as premium caviar and sold on the black market. I want to know where Leroy had gotten this information, but it seems this is all he knows, or all he's willing to say, to a couple of strangers from out of town. So why would an organized crime crew go to all this trouble over fish eggs? Caviar is one of the most expensive and rarest delicacies on Earth. And even if you have eaten caviar, 
you may not know all the facts about this delicacy. So here's a quick primer. Caviar is normally made from the raw, unfertilized eggs roe from sturgeon, a large family of bottom-feeding fish that is found in the Caspian and Black Seas between Eastern Europe and Russia. These eggs, thousands of tiny jelly-like beads, each smaller than a pea, are scooped out of the female fish and cured in salt. They can be eaten a bunch of different ways, with a teaspoon on top of a small pancake called a blini, or even as a garnish on a fancy plate of food. I personally love eating it with tater tots or potato chips, which is the most aging millennial thing I could say right now. Acetra, the highest grade caviar, can sell for up to $200 an ounce. Other kinds of fish roe, on the other hand, like bowfin, hackleback, and paddlefish, can be sourced all over the world. But the cheaper stuff tastes pretty different to authentic sturgeon caviar. Sturgeon caviar has a clean pop texture and oceanic flavor. But paddlefish roe? Well, to me, it tastes muddier, earthier, and way less consistent in texture. It's like, if you had the choice, would you rather eat a McDonald's hamburger or a perfectly cooked Wagyu steak? That's why a Cetra caviar can cost five times as much as paddlefish roe. Before becoming a food writer, I'm not sure I could have honestly told you what the difference was between all these different kinds of fish eggs. And for someone who isn't eating this stuff regularly, the subtle differences might not even register. And if someone was about to disguise paddlefish eggs as high-grade caviar, well, they could make a killing. Me and my producer, Aaron, are sitting out at the deck at the Landing Bar and Grill, overlooking the harbor. We're eating lunch and staring off at the three white-hulled fishing boats gently bobbing on the waterfront. Aaron is researching the conservation officer that Leroy told us about. This officer, Rob Farr, could be the key to unlocking the whole story. When our waitress comes out to refill our waters for the third time, we get chatting. I love like the slow pace of life here. There's no hustle and bustle and, you know, it's everybody just lives on lake time. It's real relaxed. Both of the lakes are right here. We have Truman and Lake of the Ozarks. Bailey, in her mid-20s, with straight long brown hair, was born and raised here in Warsaw. When we tell her that we're reporting a story on paddlefish, her eyes light up. I lived with my grandparents growing up and my papa was a big time fisherman got me into all that stuff. Mostly catfish and crappie, a little bit of bass here and there. Um, we always go snagging <laughs> during snagging season. It's early August, and the town is eerily quiet. So I ask Bailey, what's it like to be on Main Street during snagging season? It's really night and day. When snagging season starts, it's a totally different place. Our population, like, quadruples. You walk out there and it's trucks and trailers and campers and just people everywhere. It's really kind of crazy how many people that it attracts, you know, and it's a big deal. It is. Who are the people showing up for snagging season? Well, it's a lot of men. 
<laughs> it is. You, you see some women that like to do it, but not quite as diehard. It seems like big groups of buddies, you know, coming in from wherever and they get a hotel room and cram like seven or eight of them in there and somebody's got a boat and everybody goes out and they'll do it for days until somebody gets a couple fish and it's very competitive. Everybody wants to get, you know, the biggest fish they can get and they're all making bets and talking trash and it's really fun. And then uh, when all the fishermen come in, you know, they want to go have a beer somewhere and they're all in there showing each other pictures of what they've got. When you know what a paddlefish looks like, it's easy to see why snagging and ragging go hand in hand. Paddlefish are huge. They can grow up to 87 inches long, the average height of an NBA player like Larry Bird. They can weigh as much as 200 pounds by the time they're 30. These are big boys, which makes them an especially unusual prize in the trophy fishing world. Honestly, they make Billy the Bass look like a peanut. And they look strange, too. Their long, blade-like snouts look like the paddle on a wooden oar and make up almost a third of their length. They're completely boneless and have beautiful gray shark-like bodies and deeply forked tails. Known as the whale of the lake, their large toothless mouths act like a vacuum, hoovering up tiny plankton at an endless buffet. They're a prehistoric species that have been around for millions of years. It's like you're catching a dinosaur or something. You are catching a dinosaur, and it's crazy. A lot of people, I don't know that they even know that. I don't know that they understand like just how old they are and how incredible it is that they're even still here. Have you ever eaten paddlefish slash are you a fan of eating? I am not. I, if, if I get one, it's who wants it. It's a very acquired taste, I would say. Not really my thing. And everybody swears they have the secret. They're like, oh, you've got to clean it like this and soak it in this and, you know, use this. And I've yet to have any that I'm crazy about. How would you describe what it tastes like? It's not like a light, flaky kind of, it's meaty. But the flavor is fish, <laughs> straight up fish. Uh, have you ever tried the eggs before? Or? I have not. I haven't, and I don't really know anybody that is into that. A lot of the people, especially from other countries that come here, that's a big deal for them. That's mostly what they're after. They don't even really care about the fish so much. They just want to get a pregnant one and get some eggs, and um, that's not allowed. You know, they have to keep the whole fish, but I'm pretty sure it's illegal now. I feel like I'm being welcomed into the community but it doesn't really seem like I'm getting any closer to Russian mafias or international smuggling operations. I had assumed that when a major crime happens in a town this tiny, it would be the only thing locals would want to talk about. This might be harder than I thought, but soon enough, I'll be hearing about undercover agents secretly recording their deals. You know, we're not supposed to be doing it, but we can do this as long as you want, man. As long as you got the money. Well, I got money, I'm telling you. Moonlight knife fights 
by the lakeside. As a law enforcement officer, of course you're going to step in and keep somebody from getting hurt. But do you risk blowing your cover by doing that in a situation like this, and how do you handle that? And just where all of this caviar was headed. I don't know what anyone would do with 700 pounds of roe if they weren't taking part in the black market caviar trade. Just then, the phone rings. It's Rob Farr, the guy who helped launch Operation Roadhouse. He's inviting me and Aaron to dinner at his house the next day. And as it turns out, he'd have a lot to say. I went to this dead-end gravel road out here, and there's 20 spoonbill laying there with their bellies slit open. And I knew that the problem had got here at that point. And uh, that changed our lives for a while. That's next time. The Paddlefish Caviar Heist is a production of Imperative Entertainment and Vespucci and is written and hosted by me, Helen Holliman. For Imperative Entertainment, the executive producer is Jason Hoke. For Vespucci, the executive producers are Daniel Turkin and Johnny Galvin. David Gavi Herbert is executive producer, based on original reporting by David Gavi Herbert. The series producer is Aaron Keller. The story editor is Matt Willis. Thomas Curry is the managing producer. Audio recording by Austin Sizzler at Eastside Studios. Audio mix and sound design by Matt Peaty. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.